You're listening to a Stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. Sex toys. Online dating. Sex mistakes. Talking about abortion and reproductive choice. Anal sex. Understanding the penis. Exploring the vagina. Gays in the medium. The connection between environmental health and sexual health. Hey, Savage Love listeners, this is Nathan. And this is Malika. And those were just some of the topics we've covered on Speaking of Sex, a Planned Parenthood podcast at speakingofsexpodcast.org. Dan's the man when it comes to dishing out sex and relationship advice. But check us out for sexual health information and stories from Planned Parenthood, a name you know and trust. Tune in at speakingofsexpodcast.org. And remember, be safe. And have fun. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Love Cast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I apologize for my two-week... Uh, absence my uh, abstaining from the podcast for a couple of weeks while i sobbed my eyes out in grocery stores and coffee shops uh thanks for your patience and i'm glad to be back and i have so many goddamn questions to get to because they have really built up while i've been away sobbing in grocery stores and coffee shops the number here at the podcast 206-201-2720 and you download us at thestranger.com and uh blah 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 let's get right to your calls you know i have been married for a long time uh, and during my professional training, I met the woman who really does it for me sexually. Uh, we've been having an affair now for about five years, and um, the hard part is is that you know I've got this wonderful relationship. She's absolutely terrific, and obviously I'm you know married and devoted to her. But the problem is that she, my other friend. Um, uh, really just does it for me sexually. And, you know, in terms of just the way it feels, the way it, it goes, the fantasy she fulfills, the kind of sex acts that she's willing to do, all that stuff um, is just out of this world. The the part that I was really wondering about is, is am, I, am I really just a shit? Am I just a cheating, philandering asshole? Or am I, uh, you know, I mean, am, am I allowed to have this type of a situation? And do you think that it's just wrong morally or otherwise? Um, just wanted to get your thoughts. Here's hoping your wife doesn't listen to the podcast. Okay. Uh, are you a shit when you have an affair? Well, that depends. Uh, it depends on what sort of understanding you have with the wife. It depends on a lot of things that you don't really get into in your call. I assume you and your wife have a sexual relationship. I assume, uh, based on your panic, your moral panic about whether you're an ethical guy or not, uh, that your wife wouldn't be down with this, that it would be very destructive if she found out about it, uh, and that she wouldn't see why you needed this uh, outside partner. Um, you know, this five-year affair. It's kind of not an affair at five years. It's sort of like uh, practically polygamy, like the feds should be raiding your ranch and taking your kids away. Um the question sometimes with an affair is, you know, yeah, you're a shit. Just accept that you're a shit. Yeah, you're doing a totally shitty thing. If your wife found out, she'd be devastated. Uh, probably be the end of your marriage. So it's a really risky, shitty, horrible thing that you're doing. However, sometimes when it comes to long-term relationships, since you've been married for a very long time, um, you have to weigh the shit you're being versus, you know, the bigger shit that you might be or that you could be. If you were with your wife... Uh, and you were sexually unfulfilled, and this other person came along who totally fucking did it for you, uh, you know, you should probably, you know, honor the commitment that you made. You know, I'm not a big fan of monogamy, so I say these things while I roll my eyes and 
gesticulate wildly. Um, you should honor the commitments that you made, but you know, if you can't, you know, there's the shit of, you know, being a cheater, you're that shit, but there's also the shit of divorcing your wife, uh, and upending her life. And potentially if you have children destroying their lives in the process and, you know, destroying the only home they've ever known. And because of the way divorce tends to, uh, leave a lot of women impoverished, impoverishing your wife. So, there's the the shit you're being by having the affair, and you have to weigh that against the shit you could be by doing what a lot of people regard as the right thing, which would be to divorce your wife and run off with this woman uh, and, and marry her. And that would be, you know, the honest thing to do. Invariably, if I ran your letter in the column and said, you know, I think you're being shitty, but, you know, do what you got to do, uh, people would write in and say, no, you should tell him that, you know, the only right and ethical and responsible moral thing to do for is for him to end his marriage and then run off with this woman. Well... I want to file that sometimes, or sometimes that really ought to be filed under two wrongs, uh, don't make her right. Because divorce and the social costs of divorce and the emotional costs of divorce are sometimes greater than the unknown costs of having been cheated on. And if you can get your asses to the finish line and the wife never finds out, and if it's been five years, perhaps... The affair, which is a shitty thing to do, is a less shitty thing to do. And it's a shitty thing that's done. It's already done. You can't undo it. Perhaps the affair is the less shitty thing than the right, quote-unquote, thing uh, that a lot of people would urge you to do, which is divorce the wife and run off with this woman. So I'm not absolving you here. I'm not saying what you're doing isn't shitty. It is. But it may be the less shitty thing that you could do at this point. Hello, Dan. I'm going bananas. I'm going absolutely fucking nuts. I'm a white male, about 35 years old, and straight. And my problem is I cannot get enough of trying to get laid. You're thinking, yeah, so that's the same problem every guy has. No, it's driving me nuts. I walk down the street. I see a girl with a nice backside or a nice body. I want to go up and tell her. I want to go up and fondle her. I want to go and just latch on like a leech. I have a pension for going to glory holes and adult theaters. I can't, I had, I almost can't stop myself. It drives me nuts all the time, every day. I cannot stop thinking about it. I think about, they always say guys think about sex 20, 20 times an hour. I think it probably a thousand times an hour. All my podcasts, including yours, all have to do with sex. Am I just weird? Am I a guy? Am I normal? I don't know. And to top it all off, I like the, the randomness of random sex at adult, at adult theaters when uh, couples come in and the woman wants to play with everybody. And I have, I've been known to enjoy a guy's mouth now and again on, on my cock. But I can't. It's driving me nuts. And the topper... Because I'm married, been married for many, many years, and I have a son, and it's driving me nuts. I, please tell me, am I normal or am I a freak? This is fucking freaked out. Thank you. It's almost like you guys want to get caught. You're given your age, the number of children you have, uh, practically where you live, everything but your height and your mother's fucking maiden name. I hope your wife doesn't listen to this podcast. I hope your friends don't listen to your po this podcast. I hope your wife's friends don't listen to this podcast, or you will get caught. Look, it's fine to have a really high sex drive. 
Um, there's a problem if your acting on it makes you miserable and it, you know, tips over into sort of compulsive, uncontrolled, and I said uncontrolled, I didn't say uncontrollable behavior. And you don't sound very happy. You sound like sex isn't uh, some part of your life. You sound like sex uh, is your life and runs your life and makes you miserable and feel guilt-ridden uh, and, uh, you know, just fucking terrible uh, in the process. Uh, so I would urge you, uh, and I don't urge people to do this often, to get fucking help. And not help from me. Like, you need a strength. You need somebody you can go to uh, and, and really talk about these things, uh, if only so that you're accountable to someone. Because I assume that you really don't have a friend you confide in about all this crap. You're certainly not confiding in the wife about all this crap. And frankly, I don't want you to confide in me about it anymore. Uh, you need somebody you can go to who can hold you to account, who can help you not understand why you have a sexual addiction. I don't think you have a sexual addiction, but someone who can help you with the tools uh, that you need to control when and how you choose to act on your clearly uh, skyrockety high sex drive. Uh, And that's the kind of uh, chat with a shrink stuff that you can acquire. You can get those skills where you think about what you're doing, even when your dick is hard, even when you're stupid horny, You can still think about what you're doing and still make choices. You have the ability to control this. It is uncontrolled at the moment because you aren't exercising the control that you know you can and you should. Now, I'm not telling you that you have to forever forgo, you know, a little man on your cock, if that makes you happy, um, or, you know, the occasional uh, dipping into a dirty bookstore. I hope... uh, I would hope that you have an arrangement with your wife about outside sexual contact, at least, you know, some sort of understanding or blind eye turning that's explicit or implicit so that when this blows up in your fucking face, um, you don't wind up divorced uh, and with a broken home. I'm against broken homes. Anyone uh, getting that today? Hi, Dan. Last night we were at this dinner party and my friends who are all pretty much nerds. I mean, totally smart, but totally lovable. So the party always turns into kind of like an intellectual debate, the salon type of thing. Um, But I had my foot up and I made a joke about the shoes I was wearing because, you know, they're really comfortable, but really ugly. Um, I know that's really shocking for a lesbian to be wearing comfortable shoes. But anyways, they look like old man house slippers. And I said something like, yeah, all I need is a big pair of saggy balls to go with them. And uh, no one, everyone was shocked because no one believed that balls sag when you get older. And it became a big deal. And we started to debate this. Uh, and, you know, granted, I am not so credible on the subject, you know, gold star, lesbian. I really don't have a lot of balls in my life. Um, it's not like I'm trying to hate on balls. It's just a fact of life. Faces sag, tits sag, balls sag, and it would be really satisfying if you could answer this question for me, because they're all really highly educated, and I have an inferiority complex about that. Um, but I did just graduate as a Victorian from beauty school, so I know something about skin and the loss of elasticity. And, you know, and pubes turn gray, and they can thin out, and maybe in the end we'll all just have, like, nut sacks and tits that look like tube socks with, like, golf balls in them. But 
you know, we should just keep fucking our way to the pearly gates. I, am I right or am I right? Yeah, of course balls sag. Uh, well, actually, you know, balls don't sag. Scrotums sag. The thing the balls are sitting in sag. Because it's made of skin, and skin, as you say, loses its elasticity. But also, people shrink. As we age, you know, our bones become less dense. We actually become, we actually shrink. We are less uh, tall one day than we were the day before as we age. But the skin uh, stays pretty much the same size, if not spreading out a little bit. You get bat wings under your arms. Your, your balls get longer. Your, your scrotum gets longer. Your earlobes get longer. Your labia seem to get longer. And it's just the sack of skin that you're in is uh, getting looser because you're shrinking while it's getting uh more uh less elastic so yeah uh blah long question uh i'm surprised you could actually be in a room full of smart educated worldly people uh who would assert that balls actually uh, scrotums actually don't uh spread as we age hi dan i'm just wondering if you could give me some advice regarding a parent who is not thrilled about an interracial engagement my fiance's mother who is white politely told me that being an African-American is something his family will need to get used to. I've tried everything to to get her to accept me, but I don't want to create a rift between him and his mother. Help. Thanks, Dan. Hey, Nicole, it's Dan. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm good. I just listened to your message. Sorry uh, that your mother-in-law, a potential mother-in-law, future mother-in-law, said something so off-putting and awkward and rude to you. Yeah, she's she's really passive-aggressive, and she kind of said it in a way that wasn't completely rude, but you could totally tell that she was trying to get her point across and be rude at the same time. Right. Um, how long have you and your boyfriend been together, fiancé? Three and a half years. Oh, God, so she should be fucking used to it by now. Yeah, it, it's, it's a little awkward. I mean, I feel like I've tried everything. You know, we go down there for holidays, and... I try to be a good person and show her that I'm not what she may think I am, but it just doesn't seem to turn out the way that I'd hoped. Okay, so where's your boyfriend on this? Oh, he, well, he actually, um, well, that's kind of the complicated part. He is in um, National Guard training in Virginia right now. Uh-huh. And I only talk to him at night sometimes or maybe for a few minutes. So I called him after his mother called me to voice her concerns. And he called her at, I don't know, 2 a.m. and um, woke her up and pretty much let her have it, called her, for, you know, racist, things like that. So and your future mother-in-law called you out of the blue to say, just so you know, even though my son has proposed to you and you're his fiance, we're going to have issues with this whole interracial thing for a while. Correct, correct. And I always felt like there was some issue there because she had made comments to people previously about the black-white thing not working. The what? Um, so the black-white African-American Caucasian thing not working. Uh-huh. Uh, she had made comments to some of my fiance's friends in that regard. And uh, I knew that there was something there, but the fact that she voiced it to me was kind of a shock. And I just, I don't know what to do. Like, I was thinking if I should write her a letter to explain to her that, you know, I'm not the reason that he called and, I mean, I am the reason, but he called and was really rude to her, called her some mean names, things like that. Which, you know, he could should stand up for me, but not be so rude. And I don't know exactly what my course of action should be now. Well, you, your best course of action, because he's doing the right thing and confronting his mother and not 
putting the burden on you to, to, to pull his mother up short. Now, I'd be more concerned if your boyfriend, uh, your fiancé, pardon me, um, when you told him what had happened, if he had done nothing or just sort of shrugged, said, well, my mother's like that, I'm sorry, and hadn't gone to her and confronted her, that would be a real problem. Um, and mm-hmm. I would, you know, if that was the case, I would urge you to think twice about marrying him. Because, yes. you know, if you guys are going to get married and do the whole we're one flesh thing and start a new family, you have to come first. Exactly. And Definitely. Clearly, you do. And he's mm-hmm. taking on his mother. And because he's taking on his mother, you know, he's going to be the bad cop a little bit. And that's good because she can't unmother him. She can't yank her genetic material out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good if he's going to be the bad cop. So I think the right strategy in this instance is for you to be a little bit of the good cop and a little bit of the mediator between the angry fiance and the mother in law, okay. potential mother in law. And I think you should write her a letter and say, I hear you, I get it, the world has changed. You should throw around, just like a gay, you know, a gay kid who comes out, you know, you send mm-hmm. your mother the books and you send the mother, you know, the latest info about polling, yeah. how do people feel about gay people, and, you know, it's not, the world isn't what it was. She needs to know the world isn't what it was. You know, her attitudes are really retrograde. Uh, you know, Clarence Thomas, who is a hero to many conservative wackajob doodles, is married to an African-American, or is married to a white woman, um, she just needs to know how prevalent interracial relationships are, and I really think they're one of the salvations of this country as we move forward, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and as hopefully as we move forward toward electing an interracial president for the first time. Um, yes. <laughs> and I, I do think you need to rise above it a little bit and offer the olive branch a little bit. Well, I, exactly. I don't, I don't want to, like, feel like I'm also against her, too, because... I mean, I, I've obviously dealt with this a little bit in my life, even though I'm I'm a mixed race myself. Um, but I don't want to attack her. Like, I feel bad when he calls her racist, when people say that about her, because I feel like it's kind of that whole guess who's coming to dinner mentality where, you know, they feel like, you know, it's okay, I'm all for equal rights, all that stuff, until it comes to my dinner table and it's going to marry my son or daughter. Right. At that point, then it's like, ah. And I understand that she feels that way. It's just... I kind of want her to see me as a, me, as a person, not as... more articulate about it, you should be saying all of this to her. But in a okay. letter, so it can't spin out of control. In a letter, yeah. so words can't suddenly be exchanged, or she can't say, you know, without thinking the wrong thing, you know, in the moment, uh, that, mm-hmm. it all, you know, that lights all the fires again. So just, like, send her a letter, say what you're saying now. You know, I don't want you to have a relationship with me as a representative of some race. <laughs> But as, yeah. you know, as a person, and I don't want to come between you and your son, and you can say that knowing that she has to get better if she doesn't want that to happen. You are going to come between her and her son if she doesn't get with the program. And I definitely don't want that. I want him to have his mother because he has a good relationship with her generally. Right, and, so. and he will, but he needs to stand his ground right now. He's doing the right thing by standing mm-hmm. his ground and saying, Ma... You know, knock the fuck off. You're gonna not. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stand by and let you treat the woman I'm gonna marry like this. So knock the Definitely. fuck off. I'm gonna be fucking furious. And that's absolutely the right thing. Absolutely the right thing. And you shouldn't call him off. And you should. I think. And this is just me being manipulative and strategic. You can <laughs> position yourself in this situation as her ally. Okay. And the person she needs to help repair her relationship with her son, and a person who's willing to help her repair that relationship with her son, at the cost of her dropping 
this bullshit and her pulling herself into the 21st fucking century. And she can. Other people have. And she yeah. can. I don't, Virginia, whatever. No excuse. Yeah, There's no. interracial relationships in Virginia going back 500 fucking years. Yeah, everywhere. I mean, they are right. more prevalent than people like to think. Right. It's nothing new <laughs> under the sun. Definitely. You, you are nothing new under her sun. Definitely, definitely. get the fuck used to it. <laughs> okay? Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. That's definitely great advice. Talk to Thanks, you Dan. Bye. Bye. Hi, Dan. Uh, my name is Parker. Uh, I'm a 20-year-old gay male, and I have a uh, problem with um, anal sex. I have this big fantasy of uh, bottoming um, for my boyfriend, and uh, the only thing that's holding me back is I'm afraid um, that I'm going to, for lack of a better term, shit um, on his dick while we're having sex, which, you know, obviously it would be a disaster. You don't want to shit the dick, which is a very nice way of putting it. Uh, you just want to make sure he's not dicking the shit. Uh, you just got to empty out. Uh, I actually gave this advice to a 35 year old gay guy, uh, top, uh, via email in the column recently. Uh, and he said it worked for him and he'd never bought him. And he had the same fears that you did that, he was going to shit the deck and destroy everything. And it won't destroy everything. Um, you know, if you're going to fuck ass every once in a while, you're going to uh, encounter uh, a little bit of something coming down the pipe. Uh, and if you're not, if that's shattering, if you can't handle the shit, you need to stay out of the ass. Um, but, you know, you don't want to just shit the deck indiscriminately. So here's what you do. Uh, for your first few times, to set your mind at ease, just so the first times you bottom, you don't have to really worry about it, you don't have to think about it, um, you can just take shit off the table. Give yourself an enema. And, and, and you know, there will be no spontaneity here. This is going to be, you know, the fucking invasion of goddamn Normandy, what I'm about to describe to you, right? A lot of prep is going to go into the first time you get your ass fucked, if you don't want to have to worry about shit at all. Give yourself an enema, uh, fill up with water, sit on the toilet, and expel it. And then give yourself another one, and sit on the toilet and expel it, and give yourself another one, and sit on the toilet and expel it, and repeat and repeat and repeat until the water is coming out of you just about as clear as it went into you, until you are totally empty. And then you need to wait at least an hour before you fuck, so that if there's you know a little bit of water hiding in a fold of one of your intestines, uh, it is time to jar loose and get out of your ass before you start fucking, because you wouldn't want that to happen either. You wouldn't want a big... Uh, Poseidon adventure moment any more than you want a shit moment. Uh, then you need to use lots of lube, uh, even more lube than you would normally uh, if you didn't have, uh, you know, 14 enemas before um, you got fucked in the ass. Because in addition to all the fecal matter that you'll be scrubbing out of your guts uh, with these enemas, you'll also be removing a lot of the uh, I love saying this rectal mucus that is up there that's actually your friend and rectal mucus is not shit. Rectal mucus is the shit the shit slides over on its way out of you, um, and it also aids in um, <laughs> getting fucked in your ass. So once you're completely empty, once you've used lots of lube, and I hope he's got a condom on because you're only 20 fucking years old, and I'm sure you guys aren't like haven't done the tested tested thing, and you're probably not entirely sure. Uh, you know, you just should be using fucking condoms, right? Just use fucking condoms. Um, you will be able to lay down, pull your legs up, and he can bang away at your ass. For three hours, and his dick will be as sparkling clean coming out as it was going in. Uh, if you 
follow my advice, and you should. Hi, good morning. I am a recent student, um, this being my second or third day. Um, I'm a recent college student. Everything seems to be going pretty well. I'm having a having a great time with uh, my class and really interacting with a lot of the different students. Um, I am currently sharing a room with a roommate that I met uh, several days ago, and we had a really, really awkward conversation this morning. Um, basically, about 3 a.m. last night, he woke up to me um, having a wet dream and I am still sort of uh, reeling by the fact that I would do something like that, um, considering I'm a, you know, completely normal and okay person. Maybe I'm still normal and okay. Anyways, um, I was wondering if you had any advice on how to, if not prevent wet dreams, um, maybe become a little bit more aware of them when they happen, um, especially in a communal living arrangement. I'm also shocked that you would do something like that. So fucking inconsiderate. How dare you? Listen, you big fucking pussy. Um, wet dreams are normal. You can't control them. Um, you are going to have them. Uh, the only way to prevent them, I think, and I'm not even sure they actually worked, was, you know, back in ye old Victorian timeies, uh, when everyone was terrified that masturbation would make, you know, the Pope's liver explode or whatever the fuck masturbation was supposed to do. Uh, there were, you know, devices to prevent, uh, people from having nocturnal emissions, which were basically things that went around your dick. And then if you started to get an erection in the night, it would deliver a massive, uh, electric shock, uh, to your mother in the next room and then would scream and wake you up or something like that. Um, those, they don't sell those things anymore. Thank God. Uh, because it's all a bunch of bullshit. And, um, people have wet dreams, and you really there's nothing I can say uh, that's going to make the situation any better, or is going to endow you with the ability to control yourself in dream state, uh, except this. And this isn't going to help with preventing your wet dreams. This is really all you have to do um, to make yourself feel better and to not have to worry about this in the future. Wait a week, and then tell your roommate that he just did the same thing. Wake up the next day and look at him and say, guess what you did last night? You did what I did last week. You had a wet dream. He's not going to have really any way of knowing that he didn't. Uh, you can even you know, empty a couple mayonnaise packets into his uh, blankets uh, the night before if you like. Um, but just to tell him that you know he was moaning and humping the bed. Uh, and then the, the, the score is settled. You're even. It's a draw. You're both young men. You're both going to have wet dreams. Um, you did it and goobed him out, and then he did it and goobed you out. He'll never know that he didn't actually do it, and it doesn't really matter that he didn't actually do it. All you're doing w with that sort of manip manipulative little like weird-ass lie is uh, making him understand uh, in a way that he probably currently doesn't, that it's natural, a wet dream, um, and that all men and all women are capable of having them and will have them and do have them, uh, himself included. And there's nothing that you did that was wrong or that was a violation of him or his space any more than the wet dream you're going to tell him he had uh, was a violation of you and your space. Hey, Dan. Um, I'm so glad this topic has come up about fags and their hags. Um, being a gay guy myself... Um, a masculine one who's always been out with guys, never really had that relationship with the girl. Um, I've really been on the outside looking in. 
And I'm just so glad that you brought up one of this, um, a topic that's really been bothering me. I've noticed on campus, I go to school upstate um, in New York, that um, there are a lot of gay guys who just have sex with girls all the time. And it's not like there's a shortage of other gay guys. People tell me I'm hot, <laughs> I'm pretty attractive, you know. So I can count, like, on, off the top of my head, 10, 10 guys on campus who just fuck girls all the time. Personally, I thought it was maybe a power issue since girls surround these guys all the time. And if you go out to the clubs, it looks like a guy with a bunch of hoes. You know, I see these gay guys as pimps now. And I always thought maybe since they're surrounded by girls all the time, it's a power issue. And, you know, why not just take advantage of... um of what's around them, and maybe there's a bunch of confusion, some emotional issues, some neediness, but it's just been bothering me so much. <laughs> you know, these girls are getting in my in my way. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're great. I'm not sure these girls are getting in your way so much as these guys that you're interested in are putting these girls in your way. Uh, you, you, you sound really hot and masculine and blah, blah, blah. And you're 20 years old and you're gay. Um, and, and you sound really entitled though. You sound like you think that all these other gay guys owe you something or that, you know, that you have a right, uh, to first refusal that you have a right to these guys. Um, and, and that they should be leaping at the opportunity to be with you rather than hanging out with all these hoes, as you so charmingly put it. Um, it could be that these guys aren't interested in you and these girls are their friends. And and I'm sorry if that sounds harsh, uh, but that's sometimes just the way it is. Uh, sometimes, you know, the truth hurts a little bit. You're only 20 years old. And it sounds to me that, like, the problem here might be you. You know, when, I, when somebody calls me or writes me and says, you know, everybody that I date does X, Y, and Z or is a bitch or a whore or all the gay guys in the world suck and blah, blah, blah. Uh, there are some times in your life when you need to step back and go, wait a minute, I'm the common denominator here. The problem is in the whole world, you know, every gay guy at my college, every gay guy at campus, every gay guy at every club, maybe the problem is me and the gay guys I'm going after or what I'm bringing into this club or my attitude or my sense, uh, you know, my sense of uh, entitlement and privilege uh, is the problem. And you need to, I think... As the kids were only very recently saying, uh, you need to look to your game. There could be something about your approach that's off. That's turning off all the gay guys at your school, all the gay guys in your club and there's in the, in these clubs. And that's typical. That's actually kind of normal. Don't, you know, I'm beating up on you. So please don't beat up on yourself. Allow me, uh, when you're young and you know, you're 20 years old and you've probably only recently come out and recently came to college. Maybe you're a sophomore now. This is the part of your life where you learn how to date, where you learn how to attract people. Um, and you learn often by making mistakes. And it sounds like you're making mistakes. I really doubt that given their druthers, all the gay guys at your school on your campus in these clubs would rather go home with their fag hags, with their posse of hoes, as you so terminally put it. Um, 
Given their druthers, I'm sure, even if they are fucking these women, which I kind of doubt, uh, just because they're leaving with them at the end of the night or arriving with them at the beginning of the night doesn't mean that they were banging them before or after the night began. Um, even if, uh, you know, they prefer to hang out with these girls, it doesn't mean that given their druthers, they wouldn't like to be with a dude, uh, a guy. Perhaps you. Perhaps you, if you could figure out what it is you're doing wrong, uh, that's making all the gay guys at your school run from you and into the arms of all the fag hags at your school. Uh, obviously, this isn't something I can completely solve for you. You need to go to your friends and say, what am I doing wrong here? And take their advice and listen to them. Um, because they may be able to tell you if you invite them to really be honest with you and tell you what it is that you're doing wrong. Like maybe there's some way you're behaving at the clubs. It's just such a turnoff or some way that you approach, uh, single gay guys at your school. That's a real turnoff. And I, I honestly, God, if you're approaching them, like you owe me sex cause I'm gay and you're gay, that's a turnoff. So again, I really do, you know, in conclusion, I'm going to repeat myself. I think you need to look to yourself, look to your game as they say, and try to figure out what it is about your approach that is, uh, not bringing you the success with gay guys that you would like. And we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, it's good to be back, everybody. I want to thank everybody that sent uh, messages of condolence and called with messages of condolence. I really appreciated it. Uh, and sorry, it's a little raw and rough today. Uh, I feel like I'm out of practice, and the tech savvy at risk youth are going to whip me back into shape shortly. The number, if you'd like to record a question for a future podcast, 206 201 27 and you download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage and this week's intro and outro music by the popovers thanks very much everyone we'll be back at you next week with another installment of the podcast planned parenthood wants to remind you to love carefully unplanned pregnancy rates are rising and sexually transmitted infections are at an all-time high Remember, condoms reduce the risk. Call 1-800-230-PLAN for an appointment or visit us online at PlannedParenthood.org. 